All right. Hey, uh, so uh, Dan, I noticed this morning, I don't know if you can hear me still back there, um, I think we finally have figured out how to get you all to arrive on time. From the uh, beginning of January, forever now, the elementary kids will open the program, okay? <laughs> he will come for them, he won't come early for us, so we see how it is. Hey, I happened across this this week, uh, somebody has uh, made the uh, supposition, and they, they might be right, they uh, say... Uh, they think Santa Claus has to be a woman. Now think about it. Here's what they're, they're thinking. Christmas is a big, organized, warm, fuzzy, nurturing, social deal. I have a tough time, they write, believing a guy could pull that off. They might be right. Uh, here's some of their reasoning. For starters, the vast majority of men don't even think about selecting a gift until Christmas Eve. At about 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve, we all show up at the store And so if it was left to men to come up with gifts for everybody, everybody would probably have one of those rotating musical chia pets under the tree still in a bag. Another problem with uh, Santa, uh, with a he Santa, would be getting there. First of all, there would be no reindeer because they would all be dead, gutted, and strapped to the rear bumper of the sleigh. Even if there were male uh, rain, if they did have reindeer, they would still have transportation problems because he would inevitably get up there in the snow and the clouds and get lost and he would never ask for directions. Yeah, that hits too close to home, doesn't it, for some of us? Just a couple other quickies. Uh, some other reasons it couldn't be a man. Men can't pack a bag, which I resent that a little bit. Um, men would rather be caught dead than wearing red velvet. I would agree. It's even a bit of a stretch to wear a red shirt today for me. And men don't answer their mail, you know, and I don't know how true that is. So anyway, hey, we have been, uh, you're thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Really nothing, but it was really cute, wasn't it? So we have uh, been, during this Christmas season, talking about an incredible invitation that God sent to every man, woman, and child who has or ever will live. It was An invitation that came in the form of a baby born in a manger. Jesus came to invite us into a relationship with God. And we have discovered along the way that the angels that day brought good news that wasn't just for a select group of people. The angels brought good news for all people, for everyone. We have also discovered that when God sent Jesus, He sent exactly what we needed. He sent a Savior. And that is exactly what we have needed. The story is found in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be there again today. And so if you have your Bible and want to go ahead and start looking for that, Luke chapter 2. During the first couple of weeks, we have really focused in on the first two-thirds of this story. And as we've said about this story, it is a familiar story. We know the story. A lot of us have been in the story. We see the story depicted in a nativity scene in our neighbor's yard. We know the story. And because, though, it is so familiar to us, there is a chance that this message that is so familiar loses its significance and we miss the impact in our lives of the coming of Jesus. Today, I want to focus in on the last part of this story. Now, when you receive an invitation, be it online or in the mail, you have to make a choice how you're going to respond to that invitation, don't you? There are choices. There are several options usually. When you get that invitation, you could choose to just completely ignore it. But we all know that's pretty rude, isn't it? You could investigate further and try to find out more about why the invitation was sent to you. 
You can wait until the very last minute to make a decision about how to respond to the invitation. You can choose to say no. Or you can choose to accept the invitation. Well, in the last part of this story, we see how Mary and the shepherds respond to the invitation of God. And I think their responses give us some insight about how we ought to respond to the invitation that God has given us. And I think also, their response gives us some insight into some things we ought to consider as we approach this Christmas week. So look at with me at Luke chapter 2. Now we've read most of the first part of the story. The angels have told Mary and she discovers she's pregnant and they make their way to Bethlehem and there is no place for them in the inn. And the angels appear to the shepherds and announce the amazing news of Jesus' arrival. And then in verse 15, here's how the story kind of wraps up. When the angels had left them, the shepherds, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen for which they had just been told. So here's the, here's the first response. The shepherds, when they hear the news, they decide to investigate it. The verb found in verse 16 literally means to find after a search. Peg and I did some Christmas shopping Thursday night. And um, her sister wants a spaghetti measurer. I don't even know for sure if that's what you call it. And to be honest, before Thursday night, I didn't know there was such a thing. I didn't know you needed to measure spaghetti. Look at how it's in the box, take it out, rip it up, throw it in the water, you know? If there's some left over, have it for a meal later. But she wants one of those. And so we, first of all, had to search for the right kind of store to look for it in. And then when we were in the store, we had to, of course, search for the right section of the store. And then we had to begin the, the real search. There were a couple of aisles of all of these kitchen gadgets. I didn't have any idea. There were so many gadgets for the kitchen. Tools for the garage, I understand. That's legitimate. But why in the world would you need all of those things? And so we begin to search up and down, and I don't even really know what I'm searching for, but I'm looking, doing my part, and we're searching. We looked up and down those aisles, back and forth, at every single thing that must have been there. They weren't selling spaghetti measures in that store. We never found it. I would love to be able to tell you this morning that we, that our search ended in finding what we were looking for, but it didn't. But we searched. When the shepherds heard the news of the angels, they began to search. Now, the story is so simple that maybe we get this impression that they left the field and they went just immediately to that manger. But I think probably when they got into Bethlehem, they had to look around town a little bit. And that verb that's used there would indicate they had to search around a little bit before they found the right place where the baby had been born. But when they did, after their searching, they found that baby. Now maybe for some of you, you're still not convinced that God's invitation is really true. You're not really convinced about this whole idea of God wanting to have a relationship with you. And so maybe this Christmas season triggers for you 
a genuine desire to begin to search for the truth. And you know what? That's exactly what I'd encourage you to do. Search for the truth. Begin to ask some questions. And if I could, let me point you in the right direction, just as the shepherds did for the, or the angels did for the shepherds that night. First, I would tell you to begin to look in the Bible. Read the stories of Jesus' life and see if you don't find Him there and you don't find truth. And I'd tell you to begin with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that tell the story of Jesus' life. And then I tell you in your search, look in the lives of people who are Christ followers. Ask them questions. Ask them to tell you their story. Ask them to tell you how Jesus is making a difference in their life today. And then I tell you, if you want to search further, maybe you have some deeper questions. I tell you to seek out some people who have written some books explaining the truth about Jesus. A couple of books that I would point you to are written by Lee Strobel, who at one time was a searcher himself, who wasn't convinced that this whole story about Jesus was really true. And so he began to search himself. And in a couple of books, one called The Case for Christ, another The Case for Christmas, he's talked about his search and the truth that he discovered. Or maybe I'd point you to a book by Rick Warren called The Purpose of Christmas that would help you as you explore the truth of this story and what it means for our lives. But I'd encourage you to search. I got a text message, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, towards the end of the week from one of my friends who was telling me that he was at his uh, children's Christmas production. And uh, he was kind of laughing in the text, uh, you know, however you, I got the idea from the text that he was laughing, that uh, he was at this production and Mary, whoever that was in the play, couldn't find the little baby Jesus. And throughout the whole place, he's searching around for it. And he said, but don't worry, at the end of the play, we discovered Jesus had been right there under her chair the whole time. I wish I could have been there to see Mary search that whole time. I wish I could have been sitting next to her mother, who was probably a nervous wreck as she searched for for Jesus. But he was right there. And here's what I think you'll discover. If you will do like the shepherds and begin to investigate Jesus, I think that you will eventually discover in life that He was right there all the time. He was simply waiting on you to find Him. Because that's what happened with the shepherds. The next thing we just see in this story is that the shepherds discovered Jesus. They found the baby Jesus in a manger. They discovered the One that they were looking for. And I'm convinced that if you will search, you will find Him as well. They found that baby who later they would come to know as Jesus And if we will search, we will come to find a Jesus who is reachable and approachable. We will find a God who genuinely desires to have a relationship with Him. If we'll investigate, we'll discover. The next thing that I see in this story, the next reaction of the shepherds was to tell others. Did you catch that? When when they experienced what had happened there, they went and told others. Now, it's striking to me that these shepherds when they had come and experienced this, they didn't pull, it doesn't seem to me, that they pulled up a bale of straw and made themselves comfortable. They didn't camp out there for a long period of time. They saw and experienced and then they went and they told. And maybe that's the response that Christmas ought to prompt in us. We see and experience the coming of Jesus and then we go and we tell. I was in Wisconsin this week which, by the way, uh, December is not necessarily the wisest time to travel to Wisconsin. It never got out of the single digits while I was there. But I was there uh, 
just as a side note, interviewing a prospective candidate for our uh, creative arts and worship position. And uh, that, by the way, is moving along really well. And hopefully in the next 30 to 45 days, uh, we'll wrap that whole process up. And I'm excited about that. But while I was there, uh, somebody I was talking to said, you know, Lambeau Field is only about 25 minutes away from here. And immediately I'm thinking, Lambeau Field? Oh, I'd love to drive up there and see Lambeau Field. I mean, if you're a football fan, that's kind of that's kind of the mecca, isn't it, of pro football stadiums and my boys and I, we kind of have this thing whenever we're in a town, we try to go by and see the college or pro stadiums and get a picture, and we're just trying to you know, mark those off our list of all the places we've been. And so I had meetings, though, one right after the other, and uh, I thought about skipping out, but that didn't really seem wise since that was the whole purpose of the trip. So I didn't go. But you know what I would have done if I would have driven up to Lambeau Field? As soon as I would have gotten there and seen it, I would have picked up the phone and called my boys and said, guess where I'm at? I'm standing right here in the parking lot of Lambeau Field. You ought to see this. Because it would have been a big deal to me. And I would have wanted to share that experience with them. You know, it doesn't get any bigger than a baby born in a manger. It doesn't get any bigger than the forgiveness of all of our sins. It doesn't get any bigger than God wrapping Himself in human flesh and coming to earth as a baby. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Why wouldn't we, after we have experienced Jesus in our lives, why wouldn't we want to tell others? It's interesting, the word used in verse 17 there, uh, the verb that's used there, the word, uh, um, the word that's used there means to make known so that other people will understand. Isn't that interesting? To make known so that other people will understand. That's what the shepherds did. They went and told their story so that other people could understand. And the question for us is, if I'm going to share this story of Christmas, I need to do it in such a way that other people will understand. So, how could I do that this week? How could you do that this week during Christmas? Let me suggest a few ideas that came to my mind, and probably you can come up with much better ideas on your own, but let me get the thought process starting. Here are some ways that I think you could share the story of Jesus in a way that people will understand this week. First, you ought to invite a friend to Christmas Eve service somewhere. Now, we don't have them here because we rent facilities, but find one somewhere and invite a friend who needs to hear about God's invitation and take them to Christmas Eve. Go serve a neighbor this week, but make sure that you tell them that you are doing it because God loves them. When your family gets together this week, why don't you make sure that the Christmas story of Luke 2 gets read sometime while you're together? While you're with your family this week, why don't you make sure that you look for opportunities to tell them what you've been learning about God's incredible invitation to every one of us? While you're with people this week, why don't you look for opportunities to tell your story about how you came to a relationship with Jesus and the incredible difference that Jesus is making in your life every day? Why don't you talk about what a difference it's made in your life to be part of a church like Crosspoint? Why don't you invite someone to come and join you at Crosspoint beginning in January? You come up with your own ideas, but you look for ways to tell others. You know, there's a familiar carol that we sing that is all about this part of the story, this simple part where we read that the shepherds went and told others. You've sung it before. Go tell it on a mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain, our Jesus Christ is born. That would be, that would be an appropriate response to God's invitation. 
Well, next I notice a response of Mary in verse 19. It says this about Mary. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary, when she had this experience of God's invitation, she treasured it and pondered it. Now, think of all that Mary had experienced. An angel showing up one day and telling her that she is pregnant with the Messiah. Then Mary having to tell Joseph that news and the struggles that that must have caused in their relationship and the doubt that it must have cut into their relationship. And then there were the looks and the comments of people in her neighborhood who didn't believe her story. And then there's that rugged trip to Bethlehem. And then the difficult delivery without any medication, ladies, in rugged conditions. And yet now, yet now, here is Mary holding that precious baby in her arms. Did she think about the past? Did she treasure this boy? (laughs) Did she wonder about the future? As she held that precious baby, did she know that someday the precious hands of that little baby would heal a blind man, would touch a leper in compassion? Did she know that her boy would someday teach thousands of people? Did she know that someday she would stand at the foot of a cross and watch as her boy die to pay for the sins of all mankind? I don't know if she realized all that or not. But Mary treasured and she pondered. And could I encourage you this Christmas week to find some time to treasure and to ponder. To treasure God's incredible gift of Jesus. To treasure the immensity of His grace. To wonder at the depth of God's incredible love for you. Could I encourage you to find some time, and it will only happen if you're very intentional about it, to find some time this week to get alone somewhere and to take a few moments and to really treasure and ponder what God's invitation meant to your life. Don't let the rush of Christmas week sweep all the time away. Be intentional about making some time this week to treasure and to ponder what Jesus did for us by coming as a baby. There's one more response that I notice about the shepherds. They rejoiced over it. Listen to verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know what? In the days that followed these events, the shepherds returned to their lives and to their jobs. But they didn't return the same. They had been transformed by what they had experienced. And tomorrow, or after the holidays, we'll return to life and to our jobs. But I hope that we will return like the shepherds did, rejoicing, filled with joy, because we have been changed by a fresh perspective on the coming of God's invitation, on the coming of Jesus. You know, when I think about these shepherds, they they went back to tending sheep. They went back to dealing with the difficult people. 
They went back to the frustrations of the weather. They went back to dealing with whatever the struggles and difficulties were of being a shepherd. Those were still there. But all of a sudden, instead of seeing all of that the way they always used to, their lens had been changed. Now they filtered everything that happened in life through the lens of what they had experienced at the coming of that baby. And could I encourage you that when we go back to work and back to life, that we would filter everything that happens in our lives through the lens of the difference that Jesus makes, that the difference of the coming of the baby makes in our lives. You know what? They returned to difficult people and difficult days. But they didn't let that rob them of their rejoicing and their joy. And that can be true for us. We will always have to deal with difficult days and difficult people and struggles along the way, but it doesn't have to rob us of our sense of rejoicing and our sense of joy. Because we have been changed by the baby who came in a manger. A mom named Candy tells about her daughter's Christmas play at a public school in Antelope, California, North Country Elementary School. She expected that it would be a very secular type program because they weren't allowed, of course, like schools around here to celebrate Christmas anymore. It was the holidays. And so she was surprised when she got there for a dress rehearsal with a lot of other parents. They were all seated on the floor and she noticed that her her son's production was called Christmas Love. She was surprised they could even use that word. And when it was her son's class's turn, they all stood up there. And they all had little cards that spelled out Christmas love. And as each of them had their turn, they would turn over their letter of their card. And the C stood for something and there was a line that went with that. And each of the children you know, turned their card over and spoke their lines until they got worked down the, the way to the word M in Christmas. And a poor little girl that was holding the letter M, instead of turning it over as an M, got it upside down and it was a W. And the older kids in the room were snickering and some of the parents are kind of make commenting, but the little girl just thought they were pleased with her performance and so she even more proudly spoke out her line and continued to stand there and hold that W. The mom said, it didn't really dawn on me until they had gone all the way through all the letters and suddenly she read what was there and it said, Christ was love. And she thought to herself, that really is the message of Christmas after all, isn't it? And it is, isn't it? See, that's what this season really is all about. Christ was and He still is. Love. He loves us. Enough to go to the cross for us. That's what we celebrate as we celebrate Christmas. God, I thank You for loving me and everyone in this room like that. God, I thank You that You loved us enough to send Jesus who left the glory and the beauty and the wonder of heaven to come to earth and to be born in a manger. God, I thank You for that gift. And I pray, God, that as we approach this Christmas week and as we approach the days and the weeks that follow in our lives, we would be changed by a fresh perspective of what this is all about. And God, we would see life through the lens of that manger and of Your gift. God, would You help us all to get to the place in our lives where we say yes to Your incredible invitation. Where we welcome into our lives the relationship with You. 
thank You for the change that comes in that relationship. Fill us, God, with the joy of that relationship. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.